I have been the recipient of some amazing and very powerful moments and some career paths that honestly I would have never chosen had I been the one in charge. Mm -hmm. And so I say I've been the recipient and I've been given the drive and the intelligence to work really hard and figure it out and the opportunity but also had the faith that, well, I guess I'm here because this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I could have never planned out what I have done to be as amazing as it has been. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. I am excited today because I get to sit across the table from a good friend of mine, and she's somebody that uh, we, have, we have some similarities in our past because you have done a crazy amount of things in your career, a wide variety of things. I feel like that's been a path for me too, and I think you and I are kind of figuring out what we want to be when we're, when we're growing up, right? right? And so we're at that stage of life where we're, it's probably a good thing that we know that, but we kind of wake up each day knowing what, what sets our soul on fire and what we want to do. And that being said, I want to introduce Connie Barnes. And Connie, I'm going to talk to the listeners who don't know you. Um, I, I just feel like I'm super blessed to know some really incredible people. And people like you have been in my life for, we've known each other for 15 plus years. Oh, yes. Been friends with Mike for um, longer than that, mm -hmm. actually. And when the two of you connected, got married, I mean, it was just really, really cool. But I, I feel like I'm blessed with knowing people that um, others need to know. And that's a big, big reason why I wanted to do a podcast, not with just others, but especially like people like you, where he could introduce you to people that wouldn't know you otherwise. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you have uh, this crazy varied background. I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit about that today, but I know that you are excited to be able to kind of just talk about um, ways that you can invest in other people because that is you. That is so you. So I think that's why I've been in a leadership role yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. So that I can make those connections with other people. And definitely, I think Mike and I would both say that I think we are the ones blessed to know you and Beth. Mm -hmm. It's fun hanging out with you guys. When we get together, like we it's do just, have a good time. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Absolutely. And and one of the one of the good parts of Jim is a Beth, and I think it's fun to see oh, other sure. teams that thrive well like that that are able to work together. I remember brainstorming one time about some marketing ideas. Yeah. And the three of us said, Mike, Jim, and I had kind of come to a, I don't know, kind of hit a wall yeah. and could not get over it, couldn't get under it, couldn't get around it. And Beth just 
popped up with this idea and it was the perfect solution. And it was simple and it was smart and the perfect solution. We're like, that's it. It was genius. <laughs> so I've dubbed Beth the uh, brains of the group. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Joe, uh, our sales coach, calls her the silent assassin because she's yes. the person that just sits back and listens and then is, is processing through stuff and then just drops something. Yes. So it's a lot to be learned from that. Absolutely. So on uh, the disc training that I took, yeah. I would, where would Beth fall? She's, oh, she's an S? Yes. C blend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I can see both things with her. Um, I, I would say between the, the priority of task and people, she's right on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely on the slower side, she's very um, methodical about yeah. decisions and likes to think through things. And I love it because she slows me down. Because I'm more of the, hey, let's run through you're, this and see what happens. You're a DI person. Yeah. That's what I am as well. I'm yeah. a direct. And and uh, so that's probably why I hold Beth in such esteem. Yeah. Because yeah. she's just kind of opposite mm-hmm. of how I run. And so I see benefit in slowing down. So where do you see it? So let's play this now. How about Mike? Where do you, where do you peg him? I, I have an idea. I think I know. But but Would if I look at his, I see maybe. But man, I don't know. I I really think I don't know. That's hard to say. Uh, I was seeing it more on the people side. Yes, I think he's a he's a definite people person. I, but I and I also know that that it, like most people persons, at least half of people persons mm-hmm. get drained from it. Yes, and Definitely. that's me. Like yes. I need to recharge at the end of a day when I spent time with people. I know that's probably you. Mm-hmm. That is definitely Beth. I think that is Mike. Yes. And so, but yeah, he's so good with people. He really is. So maybe, maybe, uh, I think he and Beth might be similar, like SC. Mm-hmm. And then he has those, th- that ability to be that interactive and be yes. the life of a party and the charmer and yeah. the people, you know, he's, he's both of you actually, I think of that way is when you guys come into a room, people seem to want to go to you. They're drawn to you. Uh, I think it's because you, just the way you present yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's fun. It it's, is fun. It is fun. I, I took uh, Jim's uh, disc training or modules. Yeah. How many weeks was that? We did eight, eight, weeks. eight weeks. Well, it was actually nine weeks, but we over six modules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found that to be the most beneficial training I've ever taken. And I've mm. been in a lot of leadership symposiums and listen to a lot of motivational speakers taking classes and nothing has compared to that for me that resonated with me it helped me identify different people that I work with and possible approaches Hmm. Um, because when in your heart of hearts all you want to do is help people become the best that they can be um, if you can do that in the work environment, it spills over to their personal life. And so, you know, good just keeps feeding yeah. good. Yeah. And I really appreciated that that training of yours because it allowed me to kind of look at things differently. And so when you can think about it and you can kind of see, oh, yes, I see this one has an S and a C tendency, your approach or feedback to them is different than if they're a direct person. For sure. And, you know, I found when we did our self-assessment, mm-hmm. you know, I 
naturally more of a D, but then my work approach is more of an I. Mm. And I think I've learned that over the years. You know, you there's a time to be direct, but probably my directness um, would not bode well. And so I've learned how to temper that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a natural high D. Yes. And then my modified style, my adaptive style, <clears throat> is I'm very even. Mm-hmm. And um, I tend to coach. I tend to to. I think it, from an S very often. When I, whether I'm coaching, okay. I probably lead with with more of the steady. So I'm going to be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have gentler tones in my voice. I'm going to be more listening, mm-hmm. and um, definitely. Uh, work very hard to not be judgmental of of a situation, whether it's, um, you know, I may know a direction that, that a, co- a client needs to go, but it's not my job necessarily to tell them exactly what to do. It's to help them discover it. Sure. And I do that better from an S. From a D, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to be pushing and, and getting them there. But the thing is, is then I start to own it. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not how you serve people. Right. I want to serve just like you. I want to serve people to their fullest, uh, to my fullest ability, to their fullest ability. And I, if I jump into knowing exactly what Connie needs, right? Well, that's based on assumptions, right. and that's not fair. And also, it's not recognizing that you may have a different pace, a different priority. It's not putting, it's not putting the other person in the front, and you can't serve well that way. And it lacks genuineness for sure from your client yeah or your you know employee or your teammate or what whatever that role is because that has to be genuine for them and you have to like you said help them discover meet them where they are and help them to where they need to be there's a I have a friend David who would say it this way it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay that way Right. You know, and so, don't unpack. <laughs> yes. And so it's just a matter of, of me, you know, in the evolution of becoming you know, somewhere where I wear different hats as a coach. I have to be much, much more. Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of here is passive. I think at times mm-hmm. now there's times when also that if somebody's giving me excuses, mm-hmm. like why they didn't get to something. OK, so now I'm going to have to maybe push a little bit more. And those excuses could be, well, we were really busy. We had this family thing. I'm like reminding them like why was this important to you right that's why right you know because it's easy it's easy for me to fall off Mm -hmm. some of my goals some of the things because it's what's easy to do is easy not to do (laughs) right and so so there are times you need to have that other person in your life that holds you to that standard that holds it to remember what we're here to focus on but it's also trying to be um you want to balance it with not with not being too, um, taking too much ownership for them. Right. Or be too aggressive or move them along too fast. Right. Because as the light bulb goes on or as they have a win, a success, and that's what you start to build on. You know, a Tony Robbins or some of the guys like Gary Vaynerchuk or people that, <laughs> you know, that might, that, that listen to this podcast might be listening to them as well. Mm-hmm. Those guys are moving fast. They're telling you what you need to do in mm-hmm. this. And they're unfiltered about it and it's it's what's caused them to to be famous and um very successful right there's no question Mm -hmm. it's not my style and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for me to do that it it can work for me at times but i'm not going to live there 
So why do you think it's not your style? Is it because I, I maybe I should ask myself that question. I think that is a short term for the most part. Mm. There are some people that can eat of that and mm. and be sustained. But don't you find more often that it's not genuine or it's a flash in the pan or it's hype for now mm. and then it's done? Well, that's that's been the way that I've perceived it. Yes. So... <laughs> You, you and I know each other well, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say something like integrity is super important. We were just talking about a, a person that both of us know in the public, mm-hmm. and I said, I can't deal with that person. I, won't, I choose not to deal with them because of their arrogance, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that sets me off. And so when I see those strong personalities that, uh, listen, I love confidence. I coach confidence. Mm-hmm absolutely feel it's necessary but it has to be covered by humility i was just going to say yeah aren't the the people that jazz you that you see like uber confident that like okay that's what i aspire to be yes have such a strong sense of humility yes with it yes that it's admirable mm-hmm. it is a it's a confidence that is genuine well, from a faith-based position, which both of us are going to come from, mm-hmm. I call that Godfidence, right? Yes. It's like knowing whose I am, yes. where's my place, what comes first. And when you have that aligned, the natural element to your confidence, I think confidence is a God-given trait. And I also believe that humility is too. That's why there has to be such a like ongoing ratio of that. Mm-hmm. Like what's the percentage for me today? What's the percentage for me at this moment sitting across from you doing a podcast? You know, it is, it is always keeping that in balance. Yeah. I want to be confident, but I don't want to dominate. I don't want to be air. I don't, I mean, those are all those, those things I actually know because it's been proven to me through the school of hard knocks time and time again, I don't know everything. Right. <laughs> but, but where does your confidence come from? It comes from the faith that Absolutely. no matter what, yes. It's going to be okay. Yes. And Jim's always going to land on his feet. You know, it hasn't been easy the last several years doing the, the work that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. We're getting into a spot where we're, we've caught that momentum and people are starting to see how I can help them. I'm starting to see how I can help people. Uh, but, but what you were talking about is that landing on your feet. Um, there's been times where that's been shaky. Mm-hmm. And then that's because I'm resting too much in what I'm trying to do on my own and not trusting that there's a higher power at work. Because I believe that if God leads you to something, he's going to lead you through it. Absolutely. He's equipping you now for yeah. what's to come. And my friend Mark taught me, he's like, buddy, just walking in, you're just walking in footsteps, okay? Right. Like, go to, go the pace that, that God's leading you through this. And if I get too fast and run ahead, mm-hmm. I get into trouble. <laughs> and if I, and if I run too slow, I don't know that I get in so much trouble, but I'm also missing opportunities at that point. So well, it's about figuring out what that is. Missing opportunities, but there's also an unrest mm. within yourself. I'm sure. When you're going slow, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I speak from that from experience, of course. I had no idea. This is the, my favorite part because you know, I always tell people, and I hope people believe it, we never sit down and script anything out when we're doing an interview like this. It's not, it's, in fact, this is not an interview. This is you and I, two people that have known each other for a while, sharing like our thoughts about stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I just love that. So on that note, Connie, um, 
take a minute. I would like for you to talk about yourself a little bit, which is not always the best and funnest <laughs> thing to do. You're, just, you're going like, oh God, here it comes. But uh, it's time for that humility thing. <laughs> well, here, here's one thing I, I will say to you and my coach. I was down in Orlando. We're sitting in a U-shaped training room, but I remember speaking up when uh, Joe said, what are the unique offerings? We were going through an exercise, an activity, and we had a workbook in front of us. Mm-hmm. What's your uniqueness? What What's your uniqueness? And I'm kind of struggling to answer that. I, like, I think I know, but you know, I, my brain's been kind of turned upside down and inside out that day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm second guessing things. And sure. he looks at me and, um, all right, James, what, what's yours? And I'm like, well, I was the chief culture officer for this, this, and that. I started to explain it. And he's like, what? And I said, Joe, you've known me for almost three years. I've told you that before. And he says, you never told me you actually were employed as a chief culture officer and that you actually did it. He said, this is not a time to be humble. If it's true, it's not, you know, arrogance, right? Correct. If it's, and, and he just opened my mind to that a little bit different. And, and it shocked me that in my brain, he knows this because we've interacted with each other for so long. And then he's, he literally looking at me, he's like, he has his arms out like this and he's looking at me. He's like, you've got to be able to tell people that what a huge thing. I'm like, okay. That's you know, so <laughs> true. So he's changing your perceptive of what you labeled as being humble. Yeah. Well, multiple things were happening right there. Absolutely. Taking for granted that because I say it in a resume mm-hmm. that people know it. Mm-hmm. And then also the part that you just talked about, which was like, it, if you were sitting out, out there, um, boastfully talking about what you've done and this and that. Well, that's different. But when you're stating a fact, also you can state facts without being boastful, by the way, Absolutely. I've learned that. Yes. But there's, and it, because it all comes it's true, but it all comes back to like, are, are you going to, are you going to cover it with some humility? You know, mm-hmm. are you can dominate the conversation. Are you going to have a response every time somebody like, do you always have to one up the story? Like that's now you start to know, okay, I need to flip the ratio a little bit here. I need a little more humble pie. That's great perspective. That is great perspective because you, you are right. And, and I think because of my personality, I'm outgoing and fun and bubbly and, and, you know, I'm a go-getter. I'm very much a D mm-hmm. and, um, fast paced mm-hmm. that it, it sometimes it's just too much. It's, too big. And so, um, you know, I do try to dial things back sometimes mm-hmm. so that it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you think about humbleness and, you know, is it okay to say, you know, gosh, I got to where I am because of, I worked really, really hard. Yeah. That's not, that's not boastful. That's not, that is true. I, I would not been handed anything I have. I, figured things out and it was a lot of going home at night and getting in and figuring out how to ping a server because you needed to get sound ratios back because the cable internet wasn't working the way it was supposed to be. So you were, you know, set an alarm and it was up at two o'clock in the morning so that you could do signal to noise ratios. In the last episode, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but Kyle Steele was on and he was talking about, you haven't seen me at 3 a.m., right? And so at 3 a.m., maybe you're working, 
you're trying to figure out something out like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's urgent. You need to know it. Maybe it's because that you are just fired up and you can't sleep and, and you need to work on it. But also at those 3 a.m.s or those 2 a.m.s, it might be that you're lying in bed asleep or awake. You can't sleep. You're stressed. You're worried. Um, that's, there is no overnight successes. Right. It, it's not real. It's not a thing. And, uh, you know, the, the overnight success that people see was 20 years in the making. For sure. And it was the blood, the sweat, the tears. And I think we all relate to that. And I think that's what you, we, I think people find each other that, that can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And you, you share your war stories. You, you reveal some of the stuff that you thought was embarrassing because there's been times when I felt that I felt embarrassed about, you know, a failure or where I'm at or where I'm not. And it's like, wait, what are you measuring your success on? Right. <laughs> right. And it's okay to just adjust the plan because if you're not where you may be, and I love goals, but it's, it's more, I love being in tune of, I am where I am now and I'm, that's where I'm supposed to be. And it's not that I don't have lofty goals. I just know that I'm going to get there in time. That being said, a, a several minutes ago, now I don't know how many minutes ago, I was like, hey, Connie, tell us about you. And then at least I talked right. for half of that time. Well, so what, what are you doing these days? Um, I have a couple of, well, my favorite, my new favorite position is grandmother. Ooh, um, yeah. Yes, so that's, that's a highlight. Um, Mom of three biological kids mm-hmm. raised five. Yeah, my husband has two boys, and um, so we were the Brady Bunch, and just had a, a wonderful, fun home. We were so blessed to be able to raise those kids together, their siblings, and um, you have a, all five of your kids are just amazing people. We're blessed. I know all of them; they're great kids. They they truly are. And thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. Um, because I, that is one of the most important things I'll ever do is, is sure. raise good human beings. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my career path started, I, was, I wanted to be a wife and a mom. So and take I, me back to when? Like when you were yeah, a teenager or a yeah, little girl? When? Yeah. I just, I've just always wanted to be a wife, a mom, um, which took me into... It's the teaching profession. You're a nurturer. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm a nurturer. So yes. Um, that took me into the teaching profession, but <clears throat> back in the late eighties, there was not a teaching job in Iowa. <clears throat> and so, um, plan B was I got a job at the hospital mm-hmm. and it was the lowest file clerk you could get in medical records. Mm-hmm. And I just started working my way up. <clears throat> I had some um, early successes and through hard work and just a drive to do more, be more, have more, um, went up and was able to be promoted where I was at St. Luke's, which afforded me great opportunities. Um, Ended up being a supervisor there and transitioned over to physical medicine and rehab where I started off as kind of like a secretary, mm-hmm. ended up being much more than that. Uh, one of the doctors saw some value in what I could do 
and I became his puppy dog, I call it, and I would follow him around and essentially was his scribe. Hmm. And if he changed a med, I wrote it down. We had triplicate carbon paper. And and (laughs) yes, I know. (laughs) But it, you know, I was able to help people that. And so you identify me as a nurturer. That's probably why I had, you know, such a love for that position. Had a little gap in my employment um, and then started at a local phone company. Was HR person, onboarded benefits, um, had an opportunity to onboard the new marketing Mm -hmm. and wireless manager. And um, that was the person that saw some ability in me and moved me from where I was into uh, where he was. Uh, And I kind of became his girl Friday. And I'll never forget the day he left me in the boardroom with four computers and a router and told me to network everything and so that we could do a meeting. And he wanted everything networked together on high speed. And did you know how to do that? No. (laughs) No, there was not Google. We didn't have smartphones. But I figured it out. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I made that work. Yeah. And then it just, things just exploded from there. You know, I, we launched a high speed internet Mm -hmm. and that wasn't easy. There was no manual. So we were taking people's phone lines and turning them into DSLs. Mm -hmm. There were so many, um, barriers and so many things to figure out because all of a sudden it'd work and then it'd stop working. Then you, so then you learn about coils, load coils out in the field, they had to be removed. And then you learned how to take the pedestals in the ditch and turn them into little D slams, which allowed people out in the country to have high speed internet. Hmm. And, you know, if someone's speed was slowing down, why was it slowing down? Just a lot of work on triaging, troubleshooting. Um, that was, that was a wild ride. We started, we had like 13 dial-up customers, and by the time I left to go into the wireless, um, follow Dennis into the wireless world, they, we were at like at 3,000, hmm. and that was in like a year and a half. <laughs> so oh, yeah. It was That's some rapid growth. It was, it was a roller coaster, but it was a tsunami. It was just a wave. Learned a lot with that, and then one day Dennis had to, he came to a crossroads where he had to either go the phone company and marketing manager or take on the wireless because that had become its own its own beast. And so he went that direction. I stayed at the phone company. Within six months, I was working for him up in Vinton and part of that wireless world, which was fascinating. My experience in with leadership mm-hmm. in my two previous employments um, uh, definitely lended itself. I'll never forget, I went to my interview up in Waterloo, and I sat in a break room with (laughs) like four doctors and uh, a director, and we didn't have an interview, we had a conversation, Yeah. and uh, there was an elderly doctor who was just adorable, and he looked at me and he said, what's the most important thing? If you get this job. Okay. 
I love that question. I know. I don't it, think I've ever heard that asked in an interview before. It caught me off guard because our our conversation, our interview, yeah. was basically a philosophical discussion on life and priorities. And I said to him, I, I wanted to answer right away. Mm-hmm. And so I said, um, managing the people. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, the most important thing is taking care of patients. Mm. And I smiled at him and I said, you're exactly right. And if I do my job and I help manage the people who will help you take care of the patients. Yeah. I said, so my role would be that person who just comes in alongside and makes things seamless for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was able to do there. Mm. I was offered the job before I left. Oh, wow. And it was the oddest interview I've ever had. Yeah. It was wonderful because it was just a discussion about what was important. And it, what he helped me realize was in my role, what was I going to do? Mm-hmm. I wasn't there to administ- be an administrator. Or, I was there to help facilitate an opportunity so that those doctors could do their work. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that is all I do is just help facilitate so that, um, I don't know about you, but when my doctor comes into my exam room, I want them thinking about one thing, my health care. Mm-hmm. I don't want them thinking about who's going to clean. Uh, there's some light bulbs out. Mm-hmm. You know, the parking lot needs some new cement. Um, you know, we've got two employees that aren't getting along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody else is leaving on FMLA. I don't want them thinking about any of that. I want them thinking about my my case, mm-hmm. my medications, my allergy list, my problem list, and focusing on me. And so I get to be the person who helps providers be able to do that. And that's an invaluable asset. I mean, for all the reasons you cited. I mean, to me, when you can give somebody else the freedom to do what they do best so that they're not worried about the other things. I mean, that's, that's the teamwork. Right. In addition to that, I include them in on all of those things, probably more than they want to know sometimes. So they have a working knowledge of the day to day, what's going on of the upcoming, what's coming down the pipe. Um, but they're not burdened. Yeah. And so as much as I can make things easier for them, allows them to give better care to their patients. So you also have, you and Mike have a, uh, a business that you're doing together. Tell me a little bit about that. I do. Uh, I had a gap in employment and had an opportunity to sit back and kind of reevaluate. And what did I really want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if I could do the one thing I really Loved working with people. Mm-hmm. I'm not a salesperson whatsoever, but I loved this whole house thing. And I'd sold a couple of um, previous homes on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and got my real estate 
degree license. And um, so we have a little budding real estate business Mm -hmm. and I love it. And I don't sell real estate. I just help facilitate journeys. Hmm. And I, all I want is for my clients to feel good about where they're at when they are there. I don't try to sell anybody a home. A home will sell itself. Because I've seen it when so many times when somebody walks into a house, it's a feeling. And if you are not of the personality that you believe that, I've worked with all kinds of personality types, and you might be an engineer or you know a whole sure. different personality type, but when it's right and you walk into that house the first time, there is something that clicks mm. that even it's a feeling. And even people who maybe don't believe in that or they'll tell you right. they knew I think it's because you people like Beth and I are we're constantly watching videos on YouTube about these places, these locations and the style of house that we would like to have. Mm-hmm. And there are times I watched one with her this morning. It was set in Washington state. And I was like, that's it. Look at that. And we're, you know, obviously we're not there. We're seeing it through a camera lens, but, but I think that's so true. Cause I think people have an idea in their mind that is extremely hard to, to communicate Mm-hmm. what it is you're looking for. Right. And then if I verbalize it, you take it and run it through your filter. Oh, oh. so when Jim's talking about it needs to look like this, I want to be set in a valley, I want to be able to see mountains or whatever it would be, and obviously that's not here in Iowa, but mm-hmm. that's that's what we picture. You have your own set. Your own, your, your own pictures in your mind come. Right. And you think you know exactly what I want, so you show me houses. I'm like, no, this is not it. Right, because I work very hard not to get a preconceived I will listen sure. to yeah. what you say. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But I will watch how you react. Oh. And so you might tell me and and one of my favorite stories is a first time home buying couple, a young couple, a dual income, no kids. Um they told me what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I set up four showings. And three of the three first showings was exactly what they told me they wanted. Hmm. And I had a fourth showing in my back pocket that I didn't set up because it was exactly opposite of what they told me they wanted. Oh, really? Okay. And, but I could just tell by the reactions (laughs) and the conversations I was hearing. So on the way to the third showing, I set up the fourth showing. Mm Mm-hmm. And we went from a two-story, charming Victorian home, which Vinton has several of them, and they're gorgeous and beautiful. I love Mm -hmm. the charm of those older homes. And that's what I showed them. They bought a newer ranch in a residential area. Hmm. Exact opposite of what they told me they wanted. But it was a feeling, it was a vibe, it was reactions, and just listening to them work through what they thought they wanted. Mm-hmm. They didn't know truly what they wanted, but boy, when we walked into that last house, there was a click, there was an energy, it was, it was a feeling. I, could, I was in tune with, and I knew when we walked into that house, that was the one. 
so that intuitive nature that you have, <clears throat> do you think that is uh, a gut or do you think that is because you are paying attention very closely to cues and what their words are and their feelings? Honestly, I think because we've had this conversation before, I think it is a genuine desire for them to be where, you know, to, to, for them to be happy. I think I care so much that they get what they really want, Mm -hmm. that they end up where they want to be, that I, I am receptive to when they exude that. Mm. So I, and I think that that's in my clinic administrator role too. You know, I just want people to, to be the best that they can be. And that's, it's, it's genuine. And we both know when, you know, when it's genuine and when it's not, it's a feeling. Oh yeah. And so I just think that I'm receptive to the fact that they walk in and they're happy and they don't even have to say a word. Another one of my favorite uh, uh, transactions was I had been working with this clients and they were, you know, my age, you know, kids were grown up, you know, just leaving the home, worked with them for a year, showing them everything under the sun. And she would fall in love with every house. And he was more of the engineering brain and didn't like it, didn't like this one, would always find fault with something. Yeah. And that's okay. And, and they would apologize, you know, Oh, we're so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't apologize. Because if there's one thing I've learned when it's right, you're not going to be able to stop it. (laughs) (laughs) So when it's, when, when it is what it's supposed to be, we'll, we'll either find it or we won't. Well, we looked for a year, nothing, nothing clicked. We started looking at, um, lots so that they could build. Yeah, yeah. And we had were walking down that path. A property uh, popped up. I set up a showing, thinking, you know, oh, it's just one more showing. It's maybe we'll get some floor plan ideas. We walked in, and for the first time in over a year, when I went to shut the front door, he was smiling. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, "You're going to buy this house." And he said, well, how do you know? (laughs) Because this is the first time in a year you have smiled. Hmm. And they did. They bought that house and they love it. And I love that they love it. It's one of my favorites because it it was such a genuine happiness. There's another N word that uh, comes to mind. You know, I talked about you being a nurturer, but I think a noticer also. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, a term that. Andy Andrews coined and uh, I really picked up on, you know, he's wrote, wrote a book called The Noticer. But, but when you think about a noticer is doing the things that you're doing, it's when business, whether, whether it's in a real estate transaction like that, whether it is being a clinic administrator, whether it is working with a small business owner to build their culture, right? You have to notice stuff. You have to become a professional noticer. And the people that can catch on to that fastest are going to be more successful. Like, what does it mean to be a professional noticer, right? It's all the things you just were saying. You're exactly right. I've never with, heard it put that way before yeah. today, but that is so true. You notice when someone is off. Yeah. You notice when something isn't working. You, you're, you're picking up on emotions, on, on all the things that are uncommunicated mm-hmm. through our words. You're looking at reactions to situations. Um, you're watching 
um, you watching interactions between employees. And this is what I'm thinking about for, for me. Or you, in your case, you're watching the little dynamics between a couple when they're buying, they're walking through that house. You know right away, right? this is probably not going to be the one. Mm -hmm. And it's because you know you're noticing those little things. But then you're also noticing, too, uh, the opportunities. I think so many people just needed that little bit of an edge that you gave to that buyer in that last example where you said, you're going to buy this house. Mm -hmm. It was like, how do you know that? You know, And and it was kind of like, it was almost like you gave them permission. Mm -hmm. A professional noticer is going to be able to do that. They're going to be more successful. They're going to be more, they're going to be just a better manager, a better leader, a better business owner, a better realtor, whatever it is. Uh, and here's the thing. You can't do it if you're hurried because right. of a busy schedule. And you can't do it if if you have self-serving motives. Exactly. Like I've shown you seven houses. Right. None of them have been right. It's been a year. Listen, and then you start steering them towards something that they don't want. Well, that doesn't serve you or them well. It doesn't serve you in the future either because they're going to tell people, well, they kind of got impatient. I feel like we kind of got railroaded into this house. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't use them. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's that that's what drives me. Hmm. You know, we just I just closed with a, a wonderful couple. Um, bought a home. It had been on the market for four hours. We went through four hours, four hours. We went through it, wrote an offer and, and everything fell into place there again. I had been showing them houses for, I did not realize that they told me 18 months. Wow. And we had had some heartbreaks. Mm -hmm. We had been outbid, but they were a couple of faith. And they always, they ended up encouraging me a couple of times saying that it was, it must not be meant to be, or we would have this home. And I would thank them time after time for living their faith Mm -hmm. because I didn't have to wipe up any tears with them. Yes, there were some hurts and they would express them, but they always knew that it didn't work out for a reason. Mm -hmm. And they could not be more happy where they're at now. It's the perfect home. Um, it provides a space that if and when her mom needs to move in, she has her own entrance with her own attached garage with no stairs. Hmm. And she can be completely independent. That's cool. And it provided a space for their blended family in, in the upper level. Yeah. And all the kids had their own room. It was the perfect scenario and it, it just, it happened. And I guess we, I always say it, well, we'll just keep on kicking tires. I did not realize we'd kicked tires for 18 months, Hmm. but, but when you get results like that and they are so happy and they feel so blessed where they're at, that is why I never want to push the process. It's going to be what it is. And when you have faith in that, it's, you kind of don't have to explain that to anyone. I had a one-on-one with um, a, one of my a boss one time a few years back, and she brought me into her office, and we sat down, and we started having small talk, and then she moved into the, okay, you know, the, the, the canned questions. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be in five years? Mm-hmm. And I said, huh, that's a really good question. I guess I want to be exactly where I am. And I could tell that for this professional woman, I disappointed her. 
because I did not have career aspirations Mm -hmm. to move on and move up. But then I tried to explain to her that I have been the recipient of some amazing and very powerful moments and some career paths that honestly I would have never chosen had I been the one in charge. Mm -hmm. And so I say I've been the recipient and I've been given the drive and the intelligence to work really hard and figure it out and the opportunity, but also had the faith that, well, I guess I'm here because this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I could have never planned out what I have done to be as amazing as it has been. Something you said a long time ago, it was talk, you were talking about your boss in the, in the wireless business, mm-hmm. pointed out that you had abilities. That is something that, we'll, we'll take it back to the training you were talking about. When we're, when we're doing the accountability module, I always talk about don't tell people that you see tremendous potential in them mm-hmm. without also telling them the abilities you see in them. What are those characteristics? What are those talents? What are those skills? If you're amazing with people, and, and I fail to tell you that when I say, Connie, you've got so much potential. Right. I, I'm not helping you. And I don't know and what if, my potential is. Right. And it feels almost like an insult. Like, well, obviously you don't see that I'm tapping into it, mm-hmm. but they just kind of leave it. And that's not helpful. So call out the abilities. Be very specific about what you're, you see in them. Because, listen, there are times when I know, and you've seen it with your kids, because I can think of it in times with my kids. I can think of it in times when people I've coached, we see their abilities far sooner or, or much bigger and grander than they see themselves because maybe they're struggling with a little confidence. Definitely. And so when somebody like you says something to them, like you've got this, I, I think you're an amazing individual. Here's why. Like, wow, like watch what happens. And so that's the segue with what I wanted to talk where we started today, the podcast is you were talking about, you just feel like you're led and you, you have this, I don't know, I'm putting my own spin to this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like a calling to, to lead other women and to help them um, find their potential, do the things that Definitely. they want to do, clear the barriers that they have. Yep. So and, what, and help them see their value, you know, and, and, and help the community in which I work, my little network, my little tribe there in that clinic, you know, we, we went through a process where we had to really understand that everyone had different gifts. And, you know, and I, when I would explain this to them, we would not mm-hmm. want a clinic full of Connie's mm-hmm. because we'd get a lot of stuff done. Oh, we would get it done. <laughs> we would do it well, but we wouldn't have a lot of fun along the way. Mm-hmm. Our nose would be down to the grindstone. And I'm not sure that we'd make people feel good around us, you know, those patients. We needed, you know, the Kims, Mm -hmm. who even though she's going to draw your blood, she goes out to the waiting room and sings your name. Really? Harry, it's your turn. Come on back. And she's so happy. Wow. That, and she is so scatterbrained and her workspace is a disaster. (laughs) But she makes people feel really, really good about coming back to get their blood drawn. And she makes people, and they sit in her chair, and she makes people feel so special. She has an amazing gift of making everyone who comes in, regardless Hmm. of 
of everything and she makes them and she, I don't know that I've seen her have a patient walk out but what she's saying okay now you have a good day and if it's really hot she goes you be safe out there mm-hmm. love ya she just loves everyone mm. and so then I put it in the context we could not have a clinic full of Kim's either yeah because we would be a disaster. There would be papers everywhere. We would get nothing done. But boy, would everybody feel good. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is We would great. have a great time. You know, um, uh, we wouldn't want to, um, you know, Bree is probably more like me, where she's very driven and she's very direct. And, you know, we wouldn't want a clinic full of Bree's. Mm-hmm. Because she would room all the patients and everything would be done and everything would be precise and it would be amazing, but I'm not sure anybody would feel good about being there. Mm. So when we put this all together and we blend it, it's a really cool mix. And what I'm seeing now, and this has been really fun, is that they're picking up pieces of each other's gifts and strengths and they're using it. And so... You know, the lap's a little bit more tidy than when I first came. She's taken on some of Bree's um, traits. Yeah. And Bree now goes out to the waiting room and will sing her patients back. Come on back. I mean, she doesn't sing like Kim, and she's never going to be over-the-top friendly or happy or, you know, whatever mojo Kim's got going on. But... It's not a, a rote task that she has to do. And it's like, come on back. You know, she's now exuding that to her mm-hmm. patients. And so she's picked up on some of Kim's gifts. And she's incorporated them into her. And, and that's really fun. And then, you know, you bring Lily, the new kid on the block, into the mix. And they're mentoring her. And how wonderful is that? And then I get to round with Lily. And, you know, we get to have conversations about why it's good here and what's going on. And, and as long as I know that the work is doing good, well, Lily, tell me about you, you know, what's going on with you. Oh, you, you know, you've got a dog or, you know, she, you know, somebody may have gone through a rough experience and it's sharing that, making it safe so that we can all share that. Mm -hmm. So we know where the other's coming from, but, but especially for women, Making it safe to be real, just making it safe to be, there is definitely a good group accountability, and it's safe to do that as well. And I'm very proud of that culture, as humble as I can be, um, but celebrating their uniqueness and helping them in the areas that we all need to grow. Mm -hmm. That's so good. It's just... Um, I'm kind of captivated just listening to your story uh, about a, a clinic filled with certain personality styles. And I say this, you probably remember when I said this in my Accelerate training is that if you want to achieve organizational excellence, you have to understand what makes each, what makes each person on your team exceptional. What are their gifts? What are their unique qualities? What are their special uh, talents and their experiences? And then it's, it's being able to say, okay, I'm not going to be completely negligent about my weak areas. Let's, let's not do that. Correct. But let's work inside our strength zone okay. so that we can be great as a team. 
Exactly. And, and be a continual learner. And that is what that accelerated training helped do for me. I feel like when I got to where I am right now, um, it was really good Mm -hmm. clinic. Um, and you just knew the potential was there Mm -hmm. and I knew with some work and effort and some guidance, we could be great. Well, we became great and great was good for a while. And I, but I knew we could be excellent. Mm. We got there. Mm. We achieved excellence and we are a top performing clinic. That's fantastic. Um, and, and I don't want to be humble about that. That it's, it's not just you, right? And that's, oh, and it's that's, not and I know me. that's what you're saying. It's right? not me at all. It, it is their efforts. Um, yeah. but they are excellent. And then I kind of had this, I don't know, this <laughs> moment of, and maybe it was at my, um, one-on-one with, you know, my self-evaluation last year. It's like, I, I feel like I'm a problem solver and I'm a doer and, you know, I understand data and analytics and, and we can achieve and we did it. We went from good to great and great to excellence. Ooh, boy, am I someone who can maintain excellence? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that that's me. Yeah. I have a proven track record from the telephone, the wireless, the clinic. I feel like we've reached excellence. Can we maintain it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm that person. I want to be that person. And so I had some self-confidence mm. that accelerated training solidified the fact and in my knowing that I absolutely do. And it's, you just don't take your foot off the accelerator. You just keep on getting after it. Well, and I think that's the, the benefit of when every time that I'm trying to do a training, it's always trying to make it situational for you is thinking about like what, in this setting with these people, mm-hmm. what's going through my head? What's going through their head? Mm-hmm. And if it, that's how you take it from theory and ideology into like application. Exactly. And so because you've laid the groundwork and you've done all these things for I've almost eight years now, you s- I didn't have to lead them to stay excellent. Mm. They had grown into that. You created a culture of yes. excellence. That's yes. a, that and they are main, they are maintaining it. Right. I'm not maintaining it. Right. And I had it backwards. Mm. I felt like I had to lead the and continue the excellence. They have been they have achieved excellence. They understand it. They know how good it feels. They know what it looks like. They maintain it. Yeah. And they have the latitude to maintain it. And the best thing I can do is listen to what they need and stay out of their way sometimes. Yeah. What just, a valuable lesson. Just stay out of their way. They got this. Yeah. I don't have to. Um, I'm a part of it, but I don't even have to lead it. They self-lead. And boy, is that fun to watch. You can just see the light bulbs. Well, it has on. to be gratifying, satisfying. I mean, all of those things, and and uh, to be able to walk in and be able to fist bump them and like, whatever your whatever your go to is, you know, uh, of being able to recognize achievement, mm-hmm. um, that has to feel very very good. Considering the culture when I when I was first um, onboarding there, it's 
for me, it's seeing them um, able to recognize the wins and celebrate them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very aware of when they knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And I'm the first one to say it and I'm the first one to cheerlead it. But more and more, they are the ones recognizing it sure. and saying, boy, we did that really good today. You know, we just had a day yesterday where we were down one provider and we had one provider that saw 36 patients. That's a lot of people through. Mm-hmm. And it took the entire staff working together. Plus, we're onboarding a new employee. Oh, hey. And there's a thing going on right now in the there's world. There's a big thing going on right now. And keeping patients segregated, you know, healthy pe- people come in the north door. Well, people come in the east door so that we're not commingling ill and well. And making sure we're getting the room sanitized. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of moving parts. But they just did it. And they all the tasks that go with it. And the patients were called back. And, you know, they knocked it out of the park. And at the end of the day, we kind of huddled yesterday. And I said, boy, I hope you guys feel good about what you've done when you hit the back door. Or I started to say Because they were probably that. exhausted. Yeah, I, I mean, think physically, they were, you would think they would be very tired from a day that's that demanding. I have my Apple Watch set for 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. I achieved that before I even came home <laughs> sure. yesterday. Yeah. And usually I'm not even a quarter of the way yeah. through. So, yeah, it, it was a day. And, and I started to say, because I, I say it, um, I can cheerlead. I can say anything. Anybody can say anything. But it, it is between you and yourself. And my hope is when you hit the back door, you know you've done well. And I started to say that yesterday. And someone interrupted me and finished my sentence for me, mm. which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Because it is good to, to get the feedback But we all know if we've done well, Mm -hmm. if we've not done well, and every single person did what very well yesterday and they all know it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's that self realization that is really cool for sure. And so hopefully that helps them grow as people because that's just going to spill over to every single aspect of their life. That's what I was just thinking. I mean, what you learn there transfers over into your personal life absolutely you grow the people you grow the business will grow yeah the two are hand in hand they're going to go home and be better moms maybe better wives i not that they weren't but when you go home and you know you've really kicked it and done a great job and you've served a lot of people well that just good feeds good you know, and some people listening to this maybe haven't experienced a good culture in mm-hmm. their past. And they're the ones that are thinking about, at the end of the day, I go home knowing I did a great job, but dang it, I don't want to go back tomorrow. Right. Because it's not, it, it, it isn't a team environment. You right. Know? And so people are playing for their own and, and um, that's hard. That's hard. It is hard. And how long can... Well, keep, it's tough to sustain. Keep, <laughs> it is tough to sustain that. Yeah. Keep being that salmon. Keep swimming upstream. <laughs> keep being the change that you want to see. I know that's cliche-ish, but keep being that person. I know something good will come from that. Mm-hmm. I've been in that position before mm-hmm. where it. I've just, I was crushed at every turn. Mm. And 
for the, I had the wherewithal to keep on mm-hmm. knowing and I knowing that I wanted something different not knowing I could have looked for it or sought it out or I just stayed where I was until something did mm-hmm. come and and something happened and I was able to move up out of there and I went from horrible to amazing mm-hmm. and there was a lot of personal growth during that time well, we we say it a lot, and it also can be cliche, but we learn from we learn from the mistakes, we learn from failures, mm. we learn from setbacks. That's where growth occurs. Yep. You, you know, I think the greatest threat to success is success. Yes. Right. And so, when you're thinking about how do we maintain excellence, mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Like teach that, because the you maintain excellence, but the greatest threat to it is that you continue to be successful, and so you can it can be. Um, it can fall into a sense of like being complacent with it. Absolutely. And so now you've got to, you know, teach and coach and mentor to say, okay, what can we do better here? Mm-hmm. What are the, what are the opportunities? Like you want to recognize what's going well, but you also want to continue to say, what are the little things that we can do? Cause it's a, all the things that you've talked about today, like going from good to great and then from great to excellent wasn't massive shifts. Was it? It was a, it was a right. collection of small things done consistently over time mm-hmm. to turn and shift culture. There is no magic silver bullet. It doesn't right. work that way. And it had, it probably maybe equally, but more to do with the dynamics and what everybody was bringing to the table and how they were bringing it, yeah. how they showed up, um, than, than a lot of it. And there was just that perpetual desire to do better. And, mm. and once that was tasted, um, you know, that's, and that was, the failure, one mm-hmm. of my biggest, fa- I will never forget this day. I was new to the clinic where I'm at now. I'd come down from a, a lo- very large clinic in Waterloo. And I had one of my first staff meetings. And I just kind of nonchalantly said, okay, it looks like our quality report here needs a little bit of work. Well, they had been without a clinic administrator for several months. The year before, they had done well on quality. And they did not realize that they were not achieving at all in the quality measures. Mm. And so that was news to them. And I was just kind of matter of fact about it. Like, all right, this is what we're showing up as. This is, this is the work we're doing and we need to do something about that. I was probably a little more direct than that um, because I wanted to get my point across. Like, this is kind of unacceptable. I bet where you're going is there was a tone of fear in that room, wasn't there? Um, I, I fear and I reduced one of the strongest nurses to tears. Mm. She was she was devastated. And I just thought I was being, oh, you know, all right guys, we're not doing well. Let's we need to step it up and we need to step it up in these areas. Mm. And she that was she did not realize. And and she took it personal. A lot of it had fallen on her shoulders. Yeah, for sure. She didn't realize it. And in that moment, boy, was that I wounded her to the point of she she cried in front of the entire clinic. Horrible feeling, horrible. I could not apologize enough to her. And that's when I, because I had come from working with a lot of men and, and and I needed very quickly to bring in that, that eye side of disc. Yeah. Um, your nurturer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we, you know, repaired our relationship and I just set out to meet her exactly where she was at. And so if there was good news or bad news to share, I always pulled her in and broke it to her first. You know, comments on our press gainy scores, I would bring it in, review them with her first. Because I recognized very quickly her desire to achieve was there. Nobody had given them any of the skill sets they needed yeah. to yeah. get there. But so it was refreshing and humbling that I reduced her to tears, but I was able to repair that, gain her respect, and then kind of promote her, recognizing if that's your level of commitment, that you're going to cry in front of everyone, then you're also going to lead us out of this. So a different person that's not Connie, that's not you, that doesn't lead with those things, that doesn't recognize and have awareness around that, doesn't feel the empathy in any of those situations, looks at that and sees weakness when she cried. Right. You saw strength. Yes. Boom. Like that's just, I want to fist bump you because <laughs> of that, right? That's That right there is the difference. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's an awesome story. And that's why I always tell them the DNA, yeah. the, fa- of the fabric, the DNA of the soul of that clinic where I get to go every day is beautiful hmm. because there are a clinic full of people with that kind of mindset and dedication. And, and that's the expectation. It, that's what I was just going to say. That's that as a, as a consumer, like mm-hmm. those are the things that we want to know when we're sick because we don't walk to, into the clinic most of the time when we're feeling great. Right unless it's some sort of checkup or whatever it is. But we're usually going in because we're miserable, we're hurt, we're injured. It could be a loved one. Mm-hmm. It could be our, our parent, it could be a child, mm-hmm. uh, our spouse. We're walking in there many times in our worst, scariest moments. And what you want to have is absolute reassurance that who is taking care of me knows Cares. what they're doing <laughs> and that they care yes. and that they don't see me as another chart as another number but they see me as a human being and that's that extends beyond the patient because you're also treating that patient's spouse or that's right you know i mean that's that's the other part of it is what kind of care do that are they witnessing right it's it is the one place i mean there's many institutions but any institution that is taking care of health the culture should be at the highest it can possibly be if it isn't it's a concern well, you would think so, but it's also, I, I think um, healthcare can be one of the most jaded industries as well. And, and that's, why is that? Is, is it because of the compassion overload? Is it because of the, the work overload? I mean, is it, is it overload? Is it because there, is, um, there isn't the support that they're getting? Like, why, why does it, I know and it's not. Maybe it is pervasive, actually, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it's everywhere. Correct. Because you're an example where it's not everywhere. Um, You know, the the saying of nurses eat their own, Mm. you know, the older nurses on the floor, you know, the new one comes in and they just make it so miserable that the new one leaves. Um. Is it, it's almost like a hazing. It, it is. It, it's unbelievable. I saw it in our clinic when mm. I first arrived there. Yeah. Um, and 
So why is that? I My philosophy is, is that it starts and stops with the leadership. You are either going to set a great example and a great tone, or you're not. And if you're going to be a leader that allows that jaded or that hazing, that eat-your-own mentality, and you don't stop it and end it and actually do something very quickly about it, then you're part of the problem. Mm. It's like its own infection. It absolutely is. And I have seen it. And, you know, my daughter, like you said, my daughter is in healthcare. She's a brand new nurse coming out out of college. The floor she went to at St. Luke's, I warned her. I said, all right, kid, here's the deal. Nurses will eat their own. And if they, for one second, you're going to have someone who is ready to eat you. And if you allow it, you know, if there's not someone who stops it, if you allow it, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So you better be ready to speak up and also be willing to learn and be willing to work hard. But you take care of yourself. Confidence covered by humility comes back right there, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And she, bless her heart, she was able to do it. Sure. And she had that nurse that about took her out. Yeah. And she stood up to her. Do you know the thing is, is that exists in every workplace. It does. Okay. That isn't exclusive to healthcare. Uh, it just happened. And I think kind of you nailed it. it. It comes down to leadership. And so often what I think an institution like a hospital can be really great at is knowing medicine and knowing um, guidelines and best practices and regulatory things. So you'd be really good at that. And we can have all sorts of training in these areas, but do we have training in how to give feedback, how to recognize the gifts and the differences uh, in people? What's their communication style? And so we make poor decisions in hiring because we mm-hmm. look at pedigree, we look at education, we look mm-hmm. at their experience. Absolutely. But we don't look at, do they, do they fit? Mm-hmm. Are they a good uh, part of our team? Mm-hmm. And so... Those are the pieces that are missing. That's that's what makes you, I, I think, really special uh, about what you're doing. So it, that model needs to consist or, or persist or, or be it, duplicated mm-hmm. um, uh, throughout the entire you know network. It absolutely does. Good to hear this stuff. Uh, we we could probably record. I say this often because I only choose awesome people to bring on the podcast. Right. No. I think we could choose. We could do this all day. But uh, hopefully, you know, bringing this back full circle, people are getting a chance to see and hear and experience you in, in a different way. Maybe they have never met or heard of you before. I think there, there is um, so much value in the discussions that we've had today. So thanks for doing that. But before we end, I want people to um, get a chance to hear from you. Like, how do they get a hold of you if maybe they're, maybe they're not interested in working at the at the clinic that you would be in, but maybe they are. So that'd be one way. Uh, but another thing is, is if they're looking to move, buy, right. sell homes, whatever that might be. Mike, Mike and I would love to help them um, on their journey. Yeah. We would help uh, facilitate that for them and do that in a very integrity filled way. Um, I knew when I started my real estate career, I'm not from this town, I'm not a townie. And so not everybody knows me. So I had to decide what did I want my 
legacy to be or what did I want to be known as? And I decided from the very beginning that I wanted to be known as the most honest realtor in Vinton. Mm. And so um, living uh, anything other than that is not an option for me. So if you're interested in buying or selling or starting to look, that's part of the process too sometimes. Um, yeah, you can get hold of Mike and I. We're uh, sold by Barnes on Facebook, uh, sold by Barnes.com. Um, we are in the local paper. Um, what if somebody wants to call you today? Drop your number. 319-981-6221. I'll put all that in the show notes too. But, Perfect. You know. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is it's been a real pleasure. And I've actually, knowing you for so long, learned quite a bit uh, that I didn't know today. That's been insightful. Really? Yeah. And and actually, Jim and Beth were my first clients. That's right. I was, you know, in prep for this morning, I was thinking about, uh, you know, this is going to be fun. You know, I was just thinking about what would we talk about today? And uh, I, I do want to share that real quick story because I can do this quick. Okay. So we had a commercial building in, in our hometown, downtown. And we had it listed with a major realtor, uh, that's known statewide. And I think we had gone six, seven, eight months. It was a long time and we were getting desperate. We needed to unload this. This was, uh, we had life changes, unexpected life changes and, um, you made it happen for us. And it was, uh, your first, sale your transaction it um, was. I don't know that you made any money on the deal actually because it ended up being kind of a private sale but regardless you were you did it with integrity and you made it happen within a short period of time it was amazing to see that because that's what was meant to be yeah that it was supposed to happen that way yeah and I was supposed to have my first real estate transaction with someone who was integrity filled mm who was not going to take advantage of a new realtor. Mm. Um, and, and the buyer was the same yes, they were. Yep. manner. Very nice, humble people. Hmm. And so it was just a matter of bringing those two parties together. You know, and I, I've had to go the other way too, where I've had a, you know, a property listed for a long time and, and they go elsewhere and it sells right away. And, and I just, it's easy to let that go because that's the way it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And but boy, when it works out well like that, it, it's a lot of fun. Oh, and, was, and I'm I'm sure I didn't do everything the right way. And but uh, you and Beth were very gracious. Well, it was as far as I'm concerned, it was done the right way because we got what we needed to get done. That's so. right. Well, thanks again for being part of this. Oh, and, thank um, you. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to talk with you more. Yes. Take a look at at Mike and Connie. If you're looking to move, relocate, sell or buy, uh, they'll take great care of you. We'll see you next time on Lead Through Values.